Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together as your people to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that as we pause for a few moments to reflect on your word and on your goodness towards us, that you would speak to us. Hide me behind the cross. May Jesus be uplifted and Christ be seen. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. On the screen, I have a photograph of Randy Posh. He was a computer science professor at Carnegie Mellon University, and in 2006, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And in August of 2007, he was told that he would have about three to six months of healthy life to live. And in September of that same year, a month later, he gave his last lecture at Carnegie Mellon University, and the auditorium was packed. And as he got up to speak, they met him with a standing ovation, and I watched it last night, a segment of it, and to this day, there are 19.5 million views of his last lecture at Carnegie Mellon University. About an hour long, and there's an academic tradition that goes like, if you had one lecture to give, what would you say? Let's say you were diagnosed with a terminal disease, what would be your last contribution to the academic community? Except in this case, it was not hypothetical. This man was dying. He died less than a year later and his legacy is forever online. He wrote a book, The Last Lecture, which became a New York Times bestseller. You know, when it comes to the last words of individuals, people tend to pay attention. And I want to reflect today on the last words of a man that knows he's going to die. And this is the last recorded words of Paul to Timothy, and I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. The mentor is speaking to his student, to his mentee in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last words recorded in Scripture of Paul before he is executed by a Roman soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge you therefore before God the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Verse 6, he knows he's going to die. He says, for I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, 
but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Last words to Timothy that are recorded in Scripture. We're not sure if Timothy ever made it to him before he was executed, but here we have in the Bible the last words that we know of that he spoke or wrote to Timothy. I want to reflect a little bit about Dying and the Last Words. There's a book entitled The Last Words of Sinners and Saints by Herbert Lockyer. Fascinating book, and it's a collection of the last words of individuals before they breathe their last. And I have been by the bedside of individuals that are dying with a terminal illness. And I want to tell you, there's something sacred about that time. I tend to hang on to every word that that person says to me because they know a few months, a few days, they will be no more. And it seems like when you're about to die, it's a moment of self-reflection. You look back on your life that you lived. Perhaps there's some regrets. Perhaps you say in certain situations, I would not have lived any other way. And then And then you look forward into the future and what the portals behind, beyond the grave may or may not be. And so it's that moment in time when you're ministering to an individual and believe you me, there's an openness that is many times there that is not at any point uh, other than when they're facing this terminal disease. And I think sometimes it's a blessing to know that you're going to die because you can make those phone calls. You can say those I'm sorry's. You can reach out to those people that have been estranged from you, family and friends, and and make amends. And many times they'll listen because you know you're going to die. And here it is, Herbert Locke here. It's a collection. And as I peruse through this book through the years, I have it in my library. And it says in the back cover of the book, the last words of the dying have fascinated readers throughout history. They provide a brief glimpse through the window of human character, revealing the fears, hopes, courage, and legacies of both famous and not so famous. In Bible times, when a person was going to die, the family would gather around because they want to hear what that man or woman is going to say. Remember, Jacob was going to die, and the family gathered around, and he went through from oldest to youngest, through all of his sons, and said some things. The Bible says after he said those things, He died. He died. And so here's the last words of individuals. Some of them are more profound than others. Uh, These are individuals that I'll begin with that don't believe in God. Please tidy my hair. Last words. Here's another individual. I have not drunk champagne for a long time. I have no enemies. I have shot them all. Here's Antithus. You must not let me die. I dare not die. Oh, doctor, save me if you can. Clinging on to life. Fearing what is to lie after. Here's K the infidel. Hell, hell, hell. So it's a synthesis. You can show a lot about the legacy and the character of individual. And here's Voltaire. The atheist, I'm abandoned by God and man. 
I will give you half of what I'm worth if you'll give me six months of life. Then I shall go to hell, and you will go with me. O Christ, O Jesus Christ. This is from the nurse. The nurse who attended Voltaire said, For all the wealth in Europe, I would not see another infidel die. I want to give you a contrast to that. Uh, Now, in the introduction to this book, the author says, Christianity gave men and women a new attitude towards death. The early saints and martyrs manifested a heroic cheerfulness and tranquil hope in the face of terrible suffering Christians of every age, although expressing themselves in different ways as they approached their last hour, all knew what it was to share in the victory Christ secured when he died and rose again. Through the coming of Christ then, death was no longer that incomprehensible enemy, that frightful phantom that the senses see in it. Death becomes to the Christian as the benefactor, deliverer, working his perfection, not his destruction. This is why he can meet it courageously and hopefully. So the book gives a collection of people that believe in God are Christians, and I want you to notice the last words and contrast this with the words that we've just read earlier. This is from John Wesley, the Reformer. The best of all, God is with us. Farewell. I want to die like that. John Wesley, F.B. Meyer, Read me something from the Bible, something brave and triumphant. Thomas Goodwin, ah, this is dying. How I have dreaded as an enemy this smiling friend. What a contrast, isn't it, between those that believe in God and those that don't. And I love David Livingston, build me a hut to die in, I am going home. And here it is, last words of Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He's looking forward to that blessed hope. Now, I told this a number of years ago, and I want to tell it again because it's the closest thing that I can relate to uh, an experience where I faced uh, uncertainty about my future. I had the privilege when I was in college, you can see my pointer here, uh, to go to, to West Africa, to, to Cameroon. And it's something about this continent and myself. We have a a unique relationship. I've been to Africa four times. I've never been to Korea. (laughs) And we were married in Africa, had our honeymoon in Africa. And so there's a a unique relationship I have with Africa. And I went there for the first time to, to West Africa. And I believe I have a photograph of that experience there. That's me. Uh, next to Chester Clark. He's a pastor now in Dalton, Georgia. But there we are. You can see that we're absolutely having a wonderful time. And I I remember the unique circumstances of arriving there. We were there about a month, and I recognized when we drove out about 12 hours out into the bush, the jungles of Africa, no running water, uh, no grocery store, every 
week, they would have market day where the individuals would lay out blankets, fish, you know, and the flies would just be swarming out there and, and avocados. And so it was just, that's how you lived from week to week. Uh, you flushed the toilet on the inside and you saw it go out the back, and, you know, and so forth. And so these were the circumstances that we had. They would collect rainwater and so forth. And we would walk to where we were holding meetings. And I told my friend, if the world economy were to fall today, we would not even recognize it. Because here we were living just subsistence, these individuals, from, from day to day. And it was a remarkable experience because people would stop me daily on our on our hike to our meetings and ask us for literature. You know, there was such a hungering for the Word of God that was there. And the first brush with death I had was in the van. We were going around this corner on the wrong side of the road, and the driver was just on the horn, and I'm like, that's not going to make a difference. And so we're going around the corner, and I turned to my friend Chester, and I said, Chester, you know we're going to die, right? Because this... This is not good. 12 hours with this driver, I said, we are going to die. We're going around the corner, and we're feeling you know, the force, and I'm just waiting for that impact. And I said, Chester, we are going to die. And he turned to me, not very helpfully, and said, David, if we die, we die. <laughs> Anyways, we, we had our meetings there, and I remember distinctly being just inundated with a swarm of mosquitoes. And there's something about my blood type that no one else is getting bitten, but there's like this fog around me of all these mosquitoes that are congregating. And I remember sleeping at the airport, and there were mosquitoes in the airport, believe it or not. And so we came back to the United States, and I was staying at home at the time, and I started developing flu-like symptoms. There was a flu bug going around, and I started to experience these symptoms of fever and nausea. And finally, after six days, I believe the Holy Spirit impressed me because I'm like your typical male. I don't like to go to the hospital. And I held out to six days, and I believe the Spirit impressed me and said, David, you need to go to the emergency room tonight. And I fought that conviction for the longest time. I said, I, I, I don't want to go. Finally, impression came again, you need to go tonight. So I literally crawled upstairs to where my parents are, where, and, and I said, Mom, Dad, something's wrong. Something is wrong. Uh, we need to go tonight. So they bundled me up. I remember it like it was yesterday. They bundled me up in blankets because I'm, I'm shivering. You know, I'm sh they bundled me up in blankets, took me to the emergency room, admitted me. And, and I remember sitting in that hospital bed, just pouring with sweat drenched down my back, soaking through the, the robe they had given me, and the doctors looking, looking at my history and my charts. And, and he had been a missionary to Africa. He happened to be on duty that night. He was looking at my charts, and he said, we've just taken a blood sample and sent it off. It's going to take three to four days for that blood sample to get back. And he said, I'm not going to wait till the blood samples get back because I believe you have malaria. And if we wait, you may be a dead man. 
Now, he gave me a very quick education as to what happens with malaria. A mosquito comes and takes your blood, but then he leaves you with a gift. He, he leaves you with parasites and that are injected into your bloodstream, and that parasite incubates in your liver for about two weeks and then is put out into your bloodstream, and then they go into your red blood cells, and uh, when they reach a certain point of, of critical mass, um, that red blood cell bursts. And so you can imagine what happens after a time. You, you run out of red blood cells, and, uh, and the type of strain I had, we come to find out later, um, I, I would have died from. And so when I was sitting in that hospital bed, and the, the doctor told me I had malaria, and the facts were not very good, um, A, I could die. B, I could have kidney failure and be on dialysis for the rest of my life. Uh, C, I could have liver failure. And so as he's, he's going through this, uh, I, I want to tell you that, that suddenly everything just, just seems to crystallize. You know what I'm talking about? Like suddenly you realize what's really, really important in life. All these trivial things just vanish into almost insignificance. And there was one thing and one thing alone that was on my heart and mind. Well, actually, two things. One thing was, if I die today, am I ready? Am I ready to meet my maker? If, if this malaria takes over my body and I die, and that's it, do I have the assurance of salvation? That was number one. And number two was people. That was it. My family, what type of relationships I had with people, you know, what type of relationship I have with my parents, my, my sister, my loved ones, my family and friends. That's it. My relationship with God and my relationship with people. And, and I want to tell you, there I was, 19 years of age, recognizing that at the moment of death, or when you think that you're going to die, certain things just emerge naturally. And, and there's two things that always emerge, God and, and people. That's it. That's it. Everything else pales into insignificant. Your bank account, your car, your 401k, you know, I didn't have one at the time, but you know what I'm talking about. All of your stocks and bonds, you know, all of those things are insignificant. And death is the great equalizer. Death is the great equalizer. My mom told me, look, it doesn't matter if you're good looking, if you're rich, or if you're smart. Because when you get to a certain age, if you're good looking, everybody looks the same. <laughs> if you're intelligent, you may lose your mind. If you're rich, all of that may evaporate in medical expenses. Death is the great equalizer. And the question is, how are we living our lives now? You know, this is, this is something that we need to recognize. And here's Blaise Pascal, the philosopher and the mathematician. He says, I've learned to define life backwards and live it forwards. 
In other words, if you want to know how to live your life, go to the end of your life and define it then and then live your life accordingly. Because when you come to the end of life, you recognize what's ultimately important. So many people are climbing up a ladder and they come to the end of their life and they say, oh, I have the ladder against the wrong wall this entire time. And so Blaise Pascal says, look, I've learned to define life backwards and live it forward. So go to the end. Go to the eschaton, the end, and recognize, look, what is really valuable? And here is the end. The transition from life on planet Earth to eternal life. The transition from temporal time to eternal time. And this is the transition point. What is known as the second coming. The, the demarcation of the second coming marks a defined moment of a transition from life as we know it right now to eternal time. That is the demarcation. So here it is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, that's the dot, 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 and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is what it is going to feel like if we are not privileged to be alive when Jesus comes. Let's say in 2019, I die. It could very well happen. Talk about the last lecture. This could be my last sermon. Let's say I die. Let's say I'm driving down the road and so I go through a green light and someone goes through a red light. Smash. This happens every single day. Going through, smash. So from my reality, I'm going through that light. Smash. Ah! Lights out. From my consciousness, the next thing I know. From my perspective, I miss my entire funeral. All those nice things people hopefully say about you. Miss all of that, all the flowers, everything. I am transported from my consciousness to going through that, that green light, impact, ah. And then I'm like, where am I? What just happened? And I look up, and the entire horizon, and I pray that this is my next reality, I look up and the entire horizon is filled with light and angels. And the first voice I hear before that is the voice of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Going through the night, and I'm like, that is the sweetest voice I've ever heard. I've never heard that voice before. And I believe it's going to be personalized. That's my belief. I guess we'll find out. David, it's time to get up. Amen? David, it's time to get up. And I'm like, I, I, I recognize that. Get up. Glorified body. Right? Then you're starting to look for people. You're like, this is the second coming. I can't believe it. Jesus is here. This is it. Everything I've hoped for all these years, this is the reality. I am here. I must have died going through that traffic light. I died. I'm here. Looking for my wife, my son. That's Jesus, my wife, son, parents. Where are they? That's, that's the next reality. Every person 
living on planet Earth that is dying today or going to die today from their reality, if they are in Jesus, they're going to wake up here. This is the reality, friends, and the devil does not want us to, to live with the end in mind because this is the end. He wants us to forget about this and get caught up in nonsense so that we don't have any time to secure our eternal destiny that the devil knows you can secure right now. This is the next moment of our consciousness if we die today, next month, this year, next year. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is one reality. Let me bring you to the other one. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 and 5. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's those that go to heaven. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. And here is the, the uniqueness of the experience of an individual that dies from a, from a conscious standpoint of view. Let's paint that scenario again. Going through the light. And I'm not right with Jesus. I haven't accepted him as my personal savior. I'm going through the light. Smash. Lights out. Wake up. Next thing you know, you see the holy city, New Jerusalem. Those are one of two realities that people are consciously waking up to. And so, according to the Bible, there are two resurrections that are separated by 1,000 years. But from a conscious standpoint of view, this is where you wake up at the second coming. That's where we all want to be. You wake up at the second coming, and you see clouds, and you see angels, you say, praise the Lord, I must have died, I'm waking up on the right side. That's, that's where you want to wake up. But there's a whole host of other individuals that are dying, and from their conscious standpoint of view, they're not waking up here. But the next thing that they know, they're actually waking up a thousand years later. Waking up in a resurrection, in a multitude of individuals, and you see the new Jerusalem. So here, here's an artist's depiction. So you either wake up here at the second coming, or you wake up here outside the city of the new Jerusalem. Thousand years apart, here or here. Here or here. And there are people today, from their conscious standpoint of view, that are waking up, hearing trumpets and the sweet, sweet voice of Jesus, the sweetest voice you've ever heard. They're waking up here to an eternal resurrection. And there are other people that are waking up here, outside the city of the new Jerusalem. And the Bible, through Paul's writings, I believe, is calling us to live our life with the eternal destiny in mind. Life is short. The Bible says life is like a breath. It's like a vapor. You're here and you're gone. 
and every day your heart still beats and your lungs still take in air, it's a moment of grace because you can still choose where you're going to end up. No one can make this decision for you. Only you can. I want to read the words of Thomas Paine from that book. I would give worlds if I had them, that the age of reason had not been published. O Lord, help me. Christ, help me. If ever the devil had an agent, I have been that one. Let's not sell out our eternal destiny for the temporal pleasures of this life. I want to read the words of Paul as we close. Last recorded words to Timothy that we have today, I have fought the good fight. I pray that I'm able to say that. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I want to invite you to stand as we prepare to close this morning. We, we don't know when we're going to die. Some people do, but the vast majority of us in this room don't. 2019 could be your last year. Could be my last year. 2020 could be. This day will never come around again. It will forever pass. Don't let this opportunity slip away. I want to make a very simple appeal this morning. If you feel in your heart Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning and saying, it's decision time. Today. Don't put it off until tomorrow. Today. It's decision time today. And you want to say, Lord, today, right now, I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Today, right now. You know, I say, Lord, I want to walk out of this church knowing that if I die, I'm waking up on the right side. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I want to invite you to come forward for a special prayer this morning. I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Don't care about the person next to you. This is between you and the Lord. You want to be saved for eternity. And you want to say, Lord, I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to come forward today for special prayer. You want to say, Lord, I give you my heart today. I want to wake up on the right side of the resurrection this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you know our hearts. You know, many times we get so distracted with the things of this world that we have no time to ask, how is it with my soul?
Lord, we know that without you and the second coming, there is no hope beyond the grave. And Lord, we want to be ready. We want to be faithful. And Lord, I pray for every person that's come forward this morning saying, Lord, I want the assurance of salvation today. I want to invite you into my heart and into my life. Pray that you would cover them with your robe of righteousness and give them of your sweet spirit. Thank you that we can know that we have eternal life because of faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.